Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Look at Haggai, and uh, let's look at Haggai chapter one. Uh, you might not know how to pronounce it, it's just, just Haggai. <laughs> and um, this, this is kind of a small book. It's, it's one of the latter books in the Old Testament. Um, and, it's, and it's written around the time of Israel's return from exile. Bless you. Uh, Israel's return from exile. Um, exile means that they were carried away captives uh, to Babylon. And um, at the time when they were carried away captives, God gave a prophetic word to, a prof- to, to one of their prophets who said, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years, and then you're going to return. Um, I, I think more of this story is actually written in the book of Ezra that kind of details some of this. But, but let's, let's just look at Haggai chapter 1, uh, verse 1. It says, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah. Now, I'm not going to spend very long, but but you might recognize that very weird name, Zerubbabel. Um, When I was preaching in uh, December, uh, we talked about um, how our family trees often get stumped. And we talked about a guy by the name of Jeconiah. Um, Jeconiah is in the book of Matthew. He's in the lineage of, of our Savior. Well, well, Zerubbabel, you might remember, is one of the sons mentioned um, of Jeconiah. It's interesting, Zerubbabel is the only, actually, the only son of Jeconiah that is referenced here in the Old Testament. All the rest of his sons, we only know about them from the Apocrypha. Uh, we really don't know much about his kids. And, and, and if you were there for that sermon series, you know why. Because Jeconiah jacked it up. Jeconiah messed it up for everybody. And so Zerubbabel, though, is one of the sons that, the only son that's mentioned. And he's not a king here. He's a governor. But he is mentioned, and I think he's mentioned because of his obedience to God. He's, he actually does what is right. So the word of the Lord comes through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedach, the high priest. <laughs> we'll just leave that one alone. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Um, we're going to, next week, I'm going to read more of this passage, but I just wanted to stop right there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It's interesting to me that before God even gives his, his message, he, he wants Haggai to illuminate something about his character. It, it's, it's almost like he doesn't want the people of Israel to read the tweet until they check out his handle, his Twitter handle. You know, like, like, like there's this message coming, Haggai, I got this, I got this two-paragraph message for you, but before you deliver the message, I want you to mention who is delivering the message. By the way, this phrase, the Lord Almighty says, is, I think it's listed about five times here in the next few verses. It becomes quite redundant. 
as you're reading this. It's like, oh, the Lord Almighty says that, and the Lord Almighty says this, and the Lord Almighty says that, and the Lord Almighty says this other thing. And, and, and as I was reading that that's, that, that's what stuck out to me the most, is that here God is delivering this message, and it's a very pertinent message, it's a very uh, powerful message for where they are, but before he gets into the message, and actually peppered throughout the message, is this phrase, this is what the Lord Almighty says. That almost like before he wants his people to hear his message, he wants them to understand who is speaking to them. And I think, and honestly, that's why, I think that's why we have 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because before you can really appreciate the word of God, before you can really put your faith in the word of God, you have to understand the God of the word. It's absolutely essential and important because this is what I found out. God is not a good public speaker. He's not. Like you read the red letters of the New Testament and Jesus is not weaving together uh, amazing arguments. He's not like Paul, right, where he's building layer upon layer, line upon line, precept upon precept. He's not... He's not like me where he's cracking jokes all the time, you know. He's not, he's not very funny. He's not very persuasive. He's not very motivational. There's no chicken soup for the soul in any of Jesus' teachings. He doesn't grip at people's heartstrings. We don't see tears falling. People aren't being moved by him because he, he's not a great public speaker. <laughs> and even here in the Old Testament, his messages are not incredibly persuasive. He's not trying to be the best writer. He's not Hemingway. You know, he just kind of throws stuff out there. And the, the, the persuasiveness, actually, of God's word is not the way that he says what he says, but who is saying what he's saying. And this is what they said about Jesus in the New Testament. They were astonished at his teachings. They said he didn't teach like the scribes. They didn't, he didn't teach like Pastor Harry. He didn't teach like this guy or that guy. Instead, he taught with authority. In other words, he just said stuff. He just said stuff. And, and stuff that wasn't before he said it suddenly was when he said it. So you have to understand the power of God is not in the persuasiveness of his message. It's in the personhood that is speaking the message. So he's, he wants his people to know, number one, first and foremost, that I am a God who is almighty. In other words, what I'm about to tell you might sound a little bit strange. You might think that you are incapable of doing what I want you to do. You are going to have all kinds of doubts, all kinds of questions, but you must know before you even hear the word that I have for you that I can do anything. Let's just start with that premise, that God God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you or I could ask or think that before we even step into 2019, what if we had a view of God that he could literally do anything? What if we took the box out of that we've placed around him and just pulled him out of that box and just said, okay, God, who is all powerful, who raises the dead to life, who splits seas for people to walk through on dry land, who multiplies bread and fish and feeds turns water into wine, if a donkey can talk, if an axe 
head can float. It, I mean, like, like, like God can do anything. Like it's crazy the kind of stuff that we that we that we have read about. And if this stuff is true, if this is real, apparently. He stepped in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, really? How did that happen? Well, the earth was void and without form. Void means empty. Without form means no purpose, no shape, no function. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. But there was more, right? There had to be more. There had to be something like there was a factory. There was, there was an Apple store probably. I mean, wasn't there? There was more. There had to have been more. No, no, no. Just the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. What? The Spirit of God moved on the face of the voidness. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the nothingness, of the no purpose, of the no shape. The Spirit of God just simply moved. I'm telling you, if God, if you would let God simply move in your void and in your nothingness and in your lack of purpose, if you would just let Him move, it's amazing what happens when God's Spirit starts moving over something that is dead, that is lifeless, that isn't moving. If He can start moving in a church, if He can start moving in a heart, if He can start moving in a home I'm telling you new things just will start springing up because when he starts moving then he starts speaking and then he said let there be and all the stuff that he said let there be was not before he said it but as soon as he said it reality raced to catch up with what he was saying because everything reacts all creation reacts to him and so he said let there be light and there was light and then he said let there be this and there was that and that and, that, and he just simply said a bunch of stuff it, um, if the spirit of almighty God can move on the face of the void if his voice can speak into your void situation and if his hands can get down in the dirt of your life it's amazing what will come out of nothing ex nohelio out of nothing Latin term out of nothing God created everything why because he's almighty because he can do anything and he's talking to his people by the way, their main, their main goal in life was, was to survive. <laughs> He's talking to a group of people who are just trying to make it, just trying to survive. And he comes down to them, and what he's going to tell them is massive. What he's going to tell them is far beyond their capability, far beyond their budget. It's way out. They don't even have a budget. It's way out for all. They don't have savings. What he's about to tell them is going to be so big and so massive that he says, I, I, I can't get into the message before you know who I am. I am almighty. I am able to do anything at any given time. You, you, you have to put your faith in a God like that. Otherwise, there's always a little bit of weight on you. Otherwise, there's always a little bit of pressure on you to accomplish these things that God's asking you to accomplish. And that's what he, that's what he wants his people to know, that your faith has to be fully placed in a God who's capable of doing anything. Look, look, if the Dallas Cowboys can beat Seattle Seahawks, anything can happen. Come on, somebody. I thought they might get an amen. I just, you know, anything can happen. God can do anything. But these people, man, I have a lot of admiration for these folks. You have to understand their situation. 
I don't want to read the rest of the passage because it's kind of negative. Actually, it's very negative. God basically slams them. We'll get into that next week, so come on back. Uh, he slams them for not being obedient. He slams them for giving up. He slams them for not finishing what he told them to start, which was the building of the temple. Yeah, you can read some of it right there in the old King James. But, but before we get into that, I, I just, I want to tell you, I have some real adm admiration for these folks. Because these people, you, you have to understand where they came from. And see, this is, this is if, we, if, we, if we go back to the passage that we just had up there, uh, God says to them, and he's, he's got this message, and he starts off pretty harsh. He starts off with a quote. And God Almighty is about to say something, and he quotes somebody else. He says, these people say, it's amazing. God's about to give them a message, and he tells them what they've been saying. I guess part of the message is he's listening. He's not just listening to what you pray, he's listening to what you say. Because I don't think they prayed this. I don't think this was on Sunday morning. I don't think this was a worship song, you know. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Da -da 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 -da. Anyway, I don't think that was the deal. I think, I think they were singing lots of amazing faith-filled, mm. and they were going home, but they were saying... And God said, okay, okay, I heard your praise, I heard your worship, that was great. But I was also listening the conversation on, in the car on the way home. And that's what he says. He doesn't, he doesn't reference the worship, he doesn't reference all the good stuff. He just says, look, this, I, you guys have been saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Which, by the way, was the commandment that he had given them, rebuild the Lord's house. They had started this about 15 years earlier, and they had stopped. And he says, you've been saying the time has not yet come. And when I read that, knowing their situation and the fact that I'm a 21st century American, I kind of felt that was sort of unfair. I felt like God was not noticing the nuances and complexities of the difficulties that they were facing. You know, because in our day and age, you can't just like, use a wide brush with anything, you know, like anything, like you can't just anything, people get offended over any, because you don't, you didn't walk a mile in my shoes, you don't know what I'm, what I'm going through, and, and, and God sort of does this, I mean, I'm sure they were standing there going, aren't, isn't that an oversimplification, I mean, isn't, I mean, it's not really a timing issue, really, I mean, it's not just a timing issue. But God just, God just calls it like he sees it, which God can do that because he actually sees it correctly. When we do that, we don't see it correctly. We call it like we see it, but really we're calling it like we, we see it. And it's, that's why we're so divisive. But God cuts right through all of the complexities. But for me, it's helpful to understand the complexities because... When I first read this as a 21-year-old when I was preaching on it, I felt completely distanced from these folks. I felt like, man, yeah, why don't you guys get it together? I mean, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Oh, you're busy doing all your own stuff. How about you just focus on God and get it done? 
And so I preached a sermon sort of like that. It was very encouraging, very positive. Um, you all would have been shouting me down, I'm sure. Um, but that was my perspective. And this is what happens a lot of time for young preachers. They take their, their perspective and they sort of read it into the passage. It's like, oh, if that was being written to me, that's, what I, that's how I would perceive it. But it's not the case. These people, you have to understand, who are, that God's talking to, these are people who have come back to a homeland that, one, they were never born in, most of them. See, like, like the people of Israel were carried away captives for 70 years. We're talking 70 years. So I'm 38 right now. Uh, just imagine, I don't know, some strange tribe marches in here and kidnaps all of us, right? About 160 people or so. They take us off to their island. And don't worry, it's not really going to happen. But, but if you just imagine, like, just, 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 just us. I'm 38. I have a 10-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old son. And we're taken to this island. And we're not allowed to speak English. Um, we're not allowed to speak Spanish. We're, we have to speak their language, whatever that weird language is. We cannot speak our language. We have to speak their language. We cannot wear our clothes, you know, because they have Michigan stuff on it. And um, we can't wear our clothes we can't celebrate our, ho our ho holidays. We cannot celebrate our birthdays. We, we, we have to change our names. Uh, so now this would be very difficult for me. I'm 38 and trying to learn a new language is like, <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's like calculus. And so it's going to be really hard for me. And I'm probably secretly going to still speak English at home because I don't know what the heck these people are talking about. <laughs> You know, and I'll probably give the kids a little present on the day that I remember is Christmas. And I, I'll probably try to carry on a little. I'll probably record some videos to tell them about my life here in America, in Austin, the best city in the world. I'll probably try to tell them about how good the coffee was, how, you know, uh, how good the pizza was, how I discovered that, that, that uh, this place right here has deep dish. I didn't even know that. The deep dish is amazing. The regular pizza is awful, but deep dish is amazing. And, and you know, I'll, I'll probably share about my marriage, about, about our life together, about my God and everything he's done for me. I'm going to try to preserve as much as I can. And that's true, but, but my kids, at 10 years old and 7, they're going to start adapting to the call. They're going to pick up the language pretty quick. You know, within 30 years... I'll be 68. In, that, in those days, I'd probably be dead. Nowadays, I still very well might be. Uh, but at least I, I, I might be in a nursing home. And I'll be asking Madden and Micah, so what are they saying? What's that? What does that mean? Why are we celebrating this holiday again? What does that stand for? What's your name again? You know, because <laughs> they're Madden and Micah to me. But, but they're going to be something else there. After 30 years, they're going to be totally acclimated to this culture. They're going to be into the, the fashion. They're going to be into the, 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 the comedy. They're going to be into the, the culture. And they're going to have kids. They're going to have little 10, 7-year-old kids. And those kids aren't going to know English. They'll never have heard English. They're not going to know anything about Christmas. They never heard anything about Christmas. They're, they're going to be completely submerged in that culture. We're talking these folks were in slavery for 70 years. Now you fast forward another 40 years. My little girl and son is probably dead. Their kids are now, you know, 40 years old, 50 years old. They now have kids and even grandkids. And yeah, they've probably heard about great, great, great grandpa Harry. 
And they probably heard about where great, great, great Grandpa Harry came from. But that's about it. Like, they can't even watch my videos of everything that I wanted them to remember because they don't understand what I'm saying. I'm like, what's he? I, what, what, is, what is he? They don't know what Starbucks is or Gaddy's Deep Dish. <laughs> they certainly don't know about, yeah, well, I wouldn't talk about the Cowboys. I talk about what it's like to be a Lions fan, though. I could tell you that. They wouldn't know any of my life. And it was to that generation that God said, all right, you're free. You can go back home. And they're like, home? We don't. We are home. Go back. Go back? <laughs> no, I, I, this is where I live. This is, this is what I wear. This is what I eat. This is... This is what the language that I speak. I mean, this, these are my friends. This is my school. This is, this is, this is, these are my teachers. These are my heroes. These are my entertainers. This is my life. I am home. And God sends a message and says, all right, now you need to go back home. You know the place that great, great, great grandpa Harry told you about? Yeah, no, I really don't. My mom mentioned something that she had heard from her mom that kind of, you know, but... I don't know what you're talking about. And so that's why when the invitation to go back, back to Israel, that's why when that invitation went out, Cyrus made the decree, that's why they couldn't hardly get anybody to go back. And this is what happens for us in our spiritual life. We get so used to bondage. It was probably foreign to us at some point, way back, great, 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 great grandpa, so-and-so. But we get so used to it. We get used to the language of bondage. We get used to the, the clothes of bondage. We get used to the entertainment of bondage. We get used to the, the culture of bondage that, honestly, freedom is foreign to us. And God says, hey, I got this great freedom for you. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be in the place where I designed for you to be. You're going to be doing the thing I designed for you to do. And we're like, that's weird. Freedom is foreign to a, a, a person that's grown up in generational bondage. It's weird. It's strange. It's, that's why I don't go to church because no, 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 no. It's so weird to me. It's so out there. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I introduced the kids to Mr. Bean this week. <laughs> He's one of my heroes. And there's, a, there's, there's one where he goes to church. And it was so funny. He comes and sits in the front row. And the, the preacher is preaching, but he's... Like all, he's just blah, 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 blah. And he's like looking. And he's like... He couldn't understand how everybody understands what he's saying, you know. And I was like, that's what is, that's what the look I get every Sunday. Like, I know that look. It's Mr. Bean. Like, he's like looking at me like, what are you talking about? Freedom? Like, what are you talking about? Living for God? What are you talking Giving money to God? Like, what are you, what are you nuts? Like, why would I do that? Like, this is, go to a small group, sit in a living room with people that I don't know? Like, what are you, what? Whoa, all right, that sounds great for somebody else. You know, it's like freedom is so foreign to us. 
And even like, even like last week when I had my parents come up here and we had a couch and we talked about parenting by following God because they were first generation Christians, they had some amazing things to share, but still I feel like some of what they're sharing was just like whoosh, 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 because we're like, yeah, mm, yeah, no, can't do that. Mm, yeah, I tried that once. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. I said, boy, look, they, they, I had people come up to me, wow, your parents are really dedicated. I said, no, that's just normal. That's normal Christians. Like, we're all actually very dedicated to different things. It's just we're not all dedicated to God. And our generation says it's perfect. Our culture says, man, be dedicated to get your kids in three different sports and get a scholarship maybe because you might have the next Michael Jordan on your hands, you know. And, and, and that's all normal, and that's great. And it's like, wow, you're so, I'm like, you're so dedicated to this basketball thing. Holy cow. Like, you know, but, 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 I, but, like, but to be dedicated to God? Oh, why would you do that? I mean, I mean, really, are you going to get a scholarship by following God? No, but you'll actually be happy. You'll actually have joy instead of people who are making millions of dollars and killing themselves or, or, or overdosing on drugs because they can't stand their life. They hate their life so much. And I'm like, yeah, this, is, this is really good, actually, because I could be rich or I could be poor, and I'm connected to a God who loves me no matter what, and I'm following him, and I'm submitted to him as best as I can, and I'm learning and walking, and I'm blessing other people. Like this is, It really doesn't get any better than this. This is, this is home. This is what you were created for. But we've grown up in Babylon, and we're like, go oh, back to that. I'm used to this. I'm comfortable here. I'm good here. And yet, the people that God's talking to, these are the ones who went back. That's why I'm like, hold up, God. Hold on. Don't be, don't be so hard on these guys. These guys went back. These guys said goodbye to Babylon. These guys walked away from 70 years of captivity and said, sure, we'll go back. They weren't really going back. They were, it was a brand new journey. And these, these are the ones who made that journey. They went back. They stepped out of their comfort zone, which, by the way, is where your purpose is, just outside of what you're comfortable with. They stepped outside of their comfort zone. They stepped outside of the familiar, and they went back. And, and, and do you know what they went back to? Nothing. If they, if they did get stories told to them, I don't know. If their, their grandmother so-and-so did share what great-grandfather Harry had seen and talked about, when, when they went back, it wasn't like that because it had been 70 years of random raiders walking through, chipping off whatever they could off of the, the last remnants of the last wall of the temple. I mean, 70 years of decay and just animals living there. And 70 years of weeds and grass growing up and just, just, just nothing, the rubble, just pieces. They walked back and they, they had these, perhaps, these stories in their head of Starbucks and Gaddies. And, and they came back to pieces. Just the, 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 the countryside was just leveled. 
There was no wall. There were no homes. There were certainly no marketplaces. There was no business. There was no currency set up. There was, I mean, nothing. Just nothingness. They come back. They, they, they choose to abandon their comfort zone, and they say, okay, we're going to go back to the place that our great, great, grandfather told us about and it's going to be awesome we're going to obey God because he talked about how awesome it was to be in that place and then they come back and and the promise is in pieces and this is what I've seen time and time again that God frequently doesn't give us um, a, a, I don't know how to say it but he doesn't give us a product he doesn't he tells us about the product. He tells us about the land of promise. He tells us about the purpose, about building the temple, establishing a place for his name, building homes for ourselves, growing food for our families, having a place that we can call home, that we can defend, that we can uh, 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 you know, grow in and actually prosper in instead of being slaves. And he tells us about the product, but actually when you get there, it's, it's in pieces. It's nothing. And I feel like some of us in 2018 actually made some really great steps. Like we said yes to God. I saw so many people in this room right here. You weren't in this room a year ago, but you are now. And, and you made massive steps toward God. You believed in him. You moved away from bondage, from Babylon. You, you took steps. Some of you took steps to start serving here every day. Nick took steps to just come and be baptized and ride a bike for two, two hours, get off the street, get sober. What, now you take a bus up here to slaughter and then a bike over here to, to the church. Takes some two hours to get to church on Sunday morning. Uh, but, we, but we've seen like, people like that just rise up and say, I'm getting out of bondage. I'm getting out of Babylon. I don't like living in this. I'm moving. And his is a little more extreme condition, you know, that he moved from. But, but God doesn't care what condition. You're, some of us just moved from just, just like we were just sitting in church to now we're actually serving. Some of us moved to where we, we kept all of our money to ourselves, and now we're giving to the church and giving to different causes and blessing people. Some of us moved this, this year to actually start helping homeless people, start feeding homeless people that we see sitting around at different places, bringing them warm meals, dropping off socks to them, uh, donating our sweatshirts to them to help them out, Nike sweatshirts. I mean, just all of the stories. As I look around this room, I see people that have moved Many, many of you have moved, and that's wonderful, and that's awesome. But I feel like if you haven't discovered it already, um, the place that you're moving to is in pieces. <laughs> like the promise that God has for you, it's not together yet. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when, 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 when you buy one of these things for your kids. You know, you got you <laughs> Christmas time. Anakin's Jedi Starfighter. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And there it is <laughs> on the box. There it is. It looks great. You open it up. Hold up. Where's the Starfighter? Wait a minute. 500-page instruction manual. Lovely. And more pieces. This is like... 
to, to me, this is such a picture of our life with God. He tells us about this. He hands us this. And we say, oh, I can't wait to unwrap this. 2019 is going to be awesome. <laughs> I was, hey, I, I was reading all of your memes, okay? It was, you know, 2019, you're, it's just going to be awesome. I mean, there's not going to be any problems. There's not going to be any excess weight. There's not, it's just going to all just, just boom. You know, I don't know what you think as fast is going to do, but it's not going to do all that, you know? It's not going to get you on a magazine cover or anything. I mean, it's just, you know, like, you get this. This is what you get. You, this is all any of us have ever, this is what my parents got. This is all they had. They didn't have any kind of finished product. They didn't have anything to say, wow, whoa, wow, overnight went to this conference and suddenly everything's changed. And, and we went to this church service, everything's changed. No, no, I went to this church service and God handed me this. I went home and said, what, what, can I, what can I do? I feel like a lot of my counseling with people is them just throwing this back at me. I don't want this. This isn't what I signed up for. I don't need that. <laughs> Pastor, tell me what to do with this. And this is what I do. I go, well, didn't, it, didn't, didn't, didn't you get a little book called the Bible? Didn't it come with, I mean, I, I, I know it's like 66 books in there. And it's, some of them have really hard to understand words and stuff. But, 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 but I'm telling you, this will help you fix this. This tells you what's going on with this. And you can't just jump to the last book either. I like Revelation where he takes us all home. Look at that. Oh, he's coming on a cloud. Yeah, but before he comes on a cloud, you're going to have to live with this. Your kids are growing up in this. Your, your, your workplace, your, your life, your purpose, your calling. You can't just stay like this. This is not what God intended. God never intended for you to walk around with a bag full of broken pieces just hoping one day he's going to zap them and put them all together for you. This is not how that works. You drop them and people help you out. But this is not how... He, he, he's, given you, he's given you an instruction manual. He, and he's given... I think this is the key though. He gave them the pieces. Like, they walked up to nothing but pieces, and they're thinking, what are we going to do with all these pieces? And God's like, well, I've, I've given you the pieces. Isn't it awesome? I loaded the pieces up for you. They're already there for you. Now all you have to do is build the temple with them. But look at all the pieces you got. It's amazing how God sees so much potential in our pieces. We've... We find so many reasons to quit because all we have is pieces. And we're tired of being married to pieces. And we're tired of trying to raise pieces. We're, trying to we're tired of dating pieces. <laughs> uh, we're tired of messing around with pieces. And we get so discouraged that we want to quit. And yet God says, well, isn't it awesome that you have all of the pieces right there that you need? That I've equipped you? That the kingdom of God is within you. That all of the pieces that make up the life I intended you to live is right there in your hand. Like you don't have to go looking for pieces. God's already given it to you in pieces. 
It's amazing how we already have what we need. It's just not in the shape or the form that we thought that it would be. And you, you, you have to... You, you have to take the pieces and well, well for instance God's doing this all the time for us for me he's always telling me to do stuff I feel like I can't do he's always he's all he just does that he did that in the Bible right the 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 the, the disciples are there with him he's teaching 5,000 men plus a whole bunch of women and children and the disciples are like man these people are getting hungry Jesus how about you take a time out stop teaching for a minute send them away so they can go get some food I mean you know never mind the fact that they interrupted God I don't want to be that guy but you know like Jesus really I mean what you're saying is good and all but it's not that good we need some food up in here you know what I'm saying uh, and so and so and so they say we need to get some food and you know what Jesus says Jesus says here you give them something to eat you got the pieces. Good catch, Carol. That's why you got to be quick. No, you got the... He says, you give them something to eat. Yeah, you get ready. Deshaun Watson over here, you don't know who it's going to. It's just a... Too soon? Sorry. <laughs> the, the, you get the... He says, you give them something to eat. And they're like, oh, uh, What? We don't, we don't, we don't have, we don't have that much food. We don't have that much money. We, 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 we can't, we can't do that. And somebody says, I don't know who it was. I don't think the Bible says which disciple. One of the disciples say, well, we got five loaves and two fish. And I'm sure somebody said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. We need to five, five, feed 5,000 people and, and, and men and then feed the women and children. And, and somebody said, well, we got five. So they bring their pieces, just seven of them. They bring their pieces to the hands of Jesus. And it's amazing what these pieces will do in the right hands. I don't know, is, is, where's, where's Wyatt when you need him? Is Wyatt around here somewhere? No, he's in kids' church. <laughs> Nine-year-old kid who loves Legos in our church. It's amazing what these pieces will do in the right. In my hands, um, hmm, it's, not, it's not a lot. But, but when, you put, when you put your pieces into God's hands, it's amazing what he can do with five loaves and two fishes. Who would have believed that he would not laugh at them? Who would have believed that he would not go, no, 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 try again. You know, can you count? Can you, are your eyes working? Can you, like, who would have believed? Instead, he says, oh, thank you. Like, that's what he wanted. He wanted their pieces. He didn't want their product. He didn't, he, he didn't want the box. He can do the box. He didn't want this. He wanted the pieces that he had already given them, the stuff he had already placed inside of them that he knew they were carrying around thinking was useless compared to the massive need that stood in front of them. And he said, I just want you to put your pieces in my hands to see what I can do with your pieces, to see what I can make, to see what I can create. 
Which is why he prefaces this whole thing. You need to know, guys, that I am the almighty one. You need to know that if you only have five loaves and two fish, that's enough for me to feed all 5,000 people. I'm not asking you to meet, to answer all 5,000 questions in your head. I'm not asking you to feed all 5,000 doubters in your life. I'm not asking you to prove anybody right or anybody wrong. I'm asking you to bring what you have to the hands of Jesus and watch what he can do with what you have left over what you think is insignificant what you think is nothing what you think is just pieces God sees the potential in that he receives your pieces that's how this church has been built a whole bunch of pieces none of them very big actually that's that's how that's how the bills are paid by the church a whole bunch of pieces that's how 107 kids are fed every weekend by a whole bunch of pieces it's not pastor harry doing like a lot because pastor harry i only got five loaves and two fish after that i'm i'm out i'm done i don't have a lot of i don't have a lot in reserve i don't have a lot of brains i don't have a lot of skill i don't i, I was telling one pastor in town or one one leader in town he used to be a pastor he's an older guy and uh he was asking me how many people were in our church and i and i told him and he said wow you must be a great leader i said no not really i'm trying to figure that one out still uh but all i know is that we're bringing our pieces to god and god's doing something with our pieces and he's feeding people and he's clothing people and he's and and he's taking care of Rwandan widows with our pieces he's building homes for them he's doing amazing things and so my challenge to you today is to bring your pieces to God to bring the the leftovers from 2018 <laughs> maybe bring the leftovers from your new year's resolution that's already ended Because you don't, you know what, a resolution is not going to change your life as much as a revelation. A new revelation is what you need. You don't need a new resolution. You need a new revelation of who God is. You need a new understanding of who you're bringing your stuff to. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't look down on you. Instead, uh, if we can fast forward, at the end of this passage, and this is what we're going to probably read every week, I think it's verse 11, um, verse 12 and 13. Uh, after Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people uh, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent uh, Haggai to him, and the people feared the Lord. That's, that's the sentence I'm going to land on um, in the coming weeks. The people feared the Lord. That doesn't mean they were afraid of him. We're going to get into that. The people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. He said, I am with you. When they gave him their pieces, then God said, okay, now we can roll. Now we can do something. I'm with you. Almighty is with you. Unstoppable is with you. Incomprehensible is with you. Eternal is with you. 
unchanging is with you. All knowing is with you. All seeing is with you. All hearing is with you. All wisdom is with you. That's just, uh, these are all the things that God is. And when he says, I'm with you, that means all of him is with you. All mercy is with you. All grace is with you. All love is with you. All truth is with you. All justice is with you. He says, I'm with you. And this is really what 21 days of prayer and fasting is for us. Us taking our pieces and, and putting them at the feet of Jesus. Placing them on the altar. Saying, God, I, I can't do much with this. I, I, I have this. And I'm going to try to read it. And I'm going to try to figure it out. But ultimately, this tells me to cast all of my cares upon him because he cares for me. This tells me that I can't do this alone. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? We're getting ready to be dismissed, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to put your pieces in front of him. I want to give you a moment, really. I mean, really, the opportunity is going to be when you go home and you're in the car and throughout your life. But I want to give you a moment to be able to say, yeah, this is what I need. I, I need to place my, my pieces into the hands of Jesus. I need to place my family, my kids, my home, my education, my dating life. Whatever situation you are in life, if you would take all of your pieces and place them in the hands of Jesus you would find that he is with you. That he is able to multiply and to, and to do everything that needs doing. And so, I just invite you to pray right now. You don't have to have special words. Father, we come before you and we have needs, different needs. We have different Desires even in our hearts. We have disappointments. We have people that have let us down. We've let ourselves down in many ways. We're stepping into 2019 with hope and with faith. But at the same time with just a, really just a bunch of pieces. So Lord, we give those to you. We lay those fragments at your feet. We surrender them to you. We give 2019 to you. We give this fast to you. Many of us are trying to fast for the first time. This is not easy, and so we give that to you. I don't know how it's going to go. We place that in your hands, Lord. You, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly. You are great. We are not. We're not. You are. And so we place it in your hands. We place our, our lack of commitment in your hands. We place our, our fear in your hands, our, our proneness to jump ship when things get difficult, Lord. We, we place our past in your hands. Our failures, our mistakes, the stuff that brings us shame, the stuff that makes us think we'll never be any different. We place those things in your hands. We, we place our worst days and our best days in your hands. Place our joys, our happiness. Place family and friends and loved ones and and things that we like, and food, we place that in your hands. We want, we want you to be the ruler and the Lord of all. We, we give you everything because we, we want to build what you're calling us to build. We want to live a life that you're calling us to live.
It is time. It is time. I know other voices have been telling us it's not time. Other voices have been telling us it's time to live for ourselves. It's time to think about yourself. It's time to... <laughs> it's time to get political. It's time to vote for the right person. It's time to... Uh, so many other voices are telling us all kinds of times, but you are telling us that it's time. You told the people, it, it's time to rebuild the house of the Lord. It's time to create a holy place right in the center of our life. We can't outsource this. Uh, we can't Amazon Prime it. We can build it. With the pieces that you've already given us. We ask for your help, Lord. We ask for your grace. In Jesus' name.